Hello, and welcome to Mindful You at Naropa, a podcast presented by Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. I'm your host, David Devine, and it's a pleasure to welcome you. Joining the best of Eastern and Western educational traditions, Naropa is the birthplace of the modern mindfulness movement. Hello, today I'd like to welcome Dr. Ian Wickram Asakara to the podcast. Ian is a core faculty member in the Mindfulness-Based Transpersonal Counseling Program, and it is a pleasure to be speaking with you today, so thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. How, How are you doing? I'm doing very good. So awesome. nice to see you again. You're such a beautiful spirit. I love that we're just going to have this like awesome conversation. I know, yeah. <laughs> I totally knew that uh, being with you was just a good energy, and uh, you reflect that so much, so awesome. thank you. I've been trying to get you on the podcast for like a year. Oh, You've just been so busy, it's hard sometimes. Uh, so true, yeah. Okay. So to get started, tell me a bit about yourself. Like yeah. how did you find Naropa? Mm-hmm. Tell me about your educational process because I know you have mm-hmm. a couple degrees and some yeah. things. Can you just mm-hmm. talk about your journey? Yeah, I had uh, I got here to Naropa in 2015, but I had already wanted to be at Naropa for over 20 years. Oh, wow. Uh, and I grew up with a really interesting uh, heritage. I have a uh, Catholic and Buddhist uh, roots, Ooh. and so in my family we are always very interested in things because my family is of Sri Lankan and Scottish heritage, and Whoa. so yeah, we celebrate all kinds of oh, holidays. Oh, that's so cool! You know? And we like fun Magic. things, right? It's very <laughs> magical family for sure. So we were taught to respect all of the religious mm, traditions of yeah. Christianity and Buddhism, and so I grew up. Very interested in understanding Buddhist thought and Buddhist practice, and also very interested in prayer from the Catholic yeah. side of things. Okay. And very interested in the mysteries of spirituality and what they can be mm. used for in this life. And so as I grew up, I started to study Buddhism very seriously. At the same time that I was taking teachings in psychology, I was taking trainings in advanced Buddhist meditation in the Tibetan uh, Karmakaju tradition, okay. of which uh, Chagyam Trungpa Rinpoche is a representative and also the Nyingma. So I thought, oh gosh, I heard about this yeah, place so you heard called about it a while ago. Yeah. yeah, this was like 1995. I had been studying in the Shambhala tradition since 1990. And in 95, my very dear meditation teacher, Robin Kornman, who was one of the founding members of the Nalanda Translation Committee, oh, wow. uh, tricked me into doing <laughs> a Dotson meditation retreat. Tricked you? He tricked me. Yeah, oh. totally. You got to trick most people for meditation retreats, maybe. Right? It was yeah. always some level of it, but this guy was a real rascal. Okay. You know, and he had been a cook for Trunkba, and he had a lot of his uh, oh, wow. crazy wisdom. You know, he was a beautiful, loving man. Yeah. And so he comes to me one day and he says, hey, Ian, uh, I hear that uh, there's a special uh, program going on at Shambhala Mountain Center. Have you ever been there? And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, but uh, I can't afford to do that. And he goes, yeah. oh, now it's a special. It's special. You just fill out the application and you give me $108 and that's all it's going to cost. And I was like, really? Boy, I could afford to do that. Yeah. So then I gave him the application, and he said, you can make the check out to me. 
And I was like, oh, well, okay, whatever. I gives him a check for $108. And it took me five years to realize that actually he had just paid for my fee. He just wanted you to go. He just wanted Aww. me to go. He was a very loving man. And very I sweet. honestly couldn't yeah. have afforded it at that time. Very poor as a graduate student. But I did have the time, and he was such a kind man that mm. he tricked me into going to my first doctor. Nah. So then as I studied meditation deeper, 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 then at the same time, I was really advancing as an academic in the hypnosis and uh, yeah. neuroscience community, learning all about the mysteries of how the mind works through studying its effect on think, processes like meditation and hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And in particular, how our experience of both meditation and hypnosis can really reveal a lot about our shared experience of reality through yeah. empathy and how easily mutable it is. Yeah. Like just at this moment, we're like really talking yeah. and getting into one another. Mm -hmm. And I can kind of forget about all this room around. And for those of you who are listening now, yeah. it's like you listen to, we go deeper into what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Why you can kind of forget like where you're sitting and you may even wish to think mm. you're sitting somewhere else. Transported. Right? Yeah. And there's just everything about that. Our mm. empathy can take us to another place and also really guide us to a deeper understanding of who we are. Yeah. Uh, as we empathize with ourselves in the meditative process and really look at all that we are and not just who we generally put ourselves out there. So my <laughs> You whole sound life, like a transpersonal. Yeah, I'm very transpersonal, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I love it. The dyed in the wool. Yeah. I do believe thoroughly that there is a deeper nature of mind that uh, we can all experience. Yes. Yeah. And I learned this both through my training as a transpersonal psychologist mm -hmm. and health psychologist. I love to help people who have tremendous medical problems, like yeah. with chronic pain with headaches and back pain, mm. irritable bowel syndrome, very strange psychophysiological disorders, like sometimes people faint. There's this thing called vasovagal syncope. Huh. Strange sleep disorders, like people might get up in the middle of the night and do things like mm. uh, make... <laughs> my first person used to eat raw hamburger. In the middle of the night, they'd oh, wake wow. up and just eat raw hamburger. <laughs> Whoa. And then wake up in the morning with this weird stuff on their teeth. So people with all kinds of strange medical disorders, I really love to help them to get mm. freedom from them using the deep potential yeah. we can access with hypnosis and meditation. Wow. And then at the same time, I've been pursuing this from the traditional Tibetan uh, lineages. I belong to the practice in the Shambhala lineage and the mm -hmm. Karmakaju and the Nyingma. And also I study with the Chogyal Namki Norbu in the Nyingma lineage. And then in the Bun lineage of Tibet, I've studied the most mm -hmm. in the Dzogchen tradition of the Bun. And I study with uh, Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche. Yeah. And all of these wonderful people, mm. they just really poured into me all their insights into the nature of mind. Wow. And so I'm absolutely <laughs> convinced and have experienced that actually we do have a deeper potential that yeah. we don't even realize. Oh. It's just right there all the time. Like this seems like we're ordinary beings. Uh, and we are, yeah. but beneath that ordinary reality is a lot of power and magic to mm. transform ourselves and be more loving and helpful. Yeah, we have the availability to tap into something deeper than what we operate from. Right. Yeah. That's right. It's always there. You know, yeah. Even when you feel like, uh, oh, I'm having this uh, such a bad day and I can do nothing about it. But still, that deeper potential is just like the sun in the sky. It's always mm -hmm. there. 
only clouds to go across occasionally. And you say, oh, my life, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry about swearing, but you know, this is how you think it, right? You think, yeah. Oh, yeah. this really is bad. I don't like this. Uh-huh. And these are just clouds are going over your deeper potential. Yeah. What is the internal weather at this moment for us? You know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And being able to understand that it's a moment and it will pass. It will pass. But sometimes like those moments are rough and it's hard. Oh, yeah. It's hard to deal with that. And it's hard to realize the sun is always above the clouds. Mm-hmm. But right now we're getting rained on. Yeah. Which, you know what I mean? Like, it's there's very this... true. And it's a kind of humility, I think, uh, mm. that I've really enjoyed through that. That actually those moments are also useful in the mystical tradition. They call this via negativa. Ooh. And so this is via positiva, which means to enrich through uh, the maybe doing prayers and mantras yeah. and really deepening one's relationship with mm. your understanding of what the deeper nature of our potential is. Yeah. So that could be a, a theistic thing for those who follow these traditions, or it could be like much more like I'm going to relate to my love very mm. deeply yeah. in a more uh, humanistic way. Then there's via negativa which is through removing things. So yeah. this is very difficult <laughs> for most of us to like, you know, if you go through a divorce, then you have mm. to accept, you know, this relationship mm. is over. And many yeah. people have very a lot of difficulty with this and for a very understandable reason. You know, someone that you love is now gone and you're mourning this. Yeah. And so actually though, in these moments, when we strip away aspects of what we think are deep parts of ourself, mm-hmm. uh, as painful as it is, it's always an invitation to plant some new seed. Yep. And new things come into your life randomly yeah. when you use via negativa as a pathway yeah. to yeah. Uh, to enrichment. We, we like the, the positiva, space. but the negativa is just as good, strangely enough. Sometimes yeah. it's actually better. I feel like sometimes there's more of an acceleration in the mm. learning process or dealing with, but letting go is so hard sometimes that yeah. you don't feel like you are accelerating. Right. You know, and there's a lot of stuff that needs to be cleared for the flow to kind of come right. in. Like we always want to be positive, but like that ain't real. That's very true. We, we got we got both sides. If we just keep building, 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 building up things and not integrating them and yeah. stripping away things that don't need, then actually this is spiritual materialism. Yeah. You know, just buying more and more, accumulating more and more ideas mm. and not actually applying them. This is a strange yeah. place where pain becomes very useful in developing love and wisdom. So they call this the dark night of the soul. Uh, And it sounds spooky, and it is. I don't want none of that. Right? I don't want any of that. Give me the... Yeah, give me the more of the MDMA's path of uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. development, you know. Mm-hmm. Actually, even that can be via negativa. Actually, that MDMA is very helpful with via negativa, uh, yeah. particularly in uh, PTSD. Essentially, mm-hmm. stripping away things is just as good mm-hmm. for growing a garden as <laughs> is uh, planting the seed. Then also you yeah. must remove weeds. till the ground. Till the ground and uh-huh. do it. Everything needs yeah. to be done. They are really the same different sides of the same coin yeah the fruit doesn't come in the beginning it comes Mm. at the end of the yeah right you know you got to do the work first you must yeah and then (laughs) you will feel so happy yeah Yeah. (laughs) so good so you're touching a lot on hypnosis and i have i want to talk about hypnosis oh yeah it's so fun yeah so i actually read a book a long time ago journey of souls oh yes right yeah oh my god Mm -hmm. changed the way i think Mm -hmm. it made me realize how vast the bardo is Mm -hmm. and 
the afterworld, if mm-hmm. y'all don't know what the bardo is. Right. But it really made me realize how important hypnosis is. Mm-hmm. But just for like a general sense, can yeah. you just describe what hypnosis yeah. is? Sure. So hypnosis is really an amazing thing, and it's also quite a simple thing. Hypnosis is really just the art of using the mind, and using the mind in particular in service of trying to alter one's perceptions, mm. trying to alter one's beliefs, trying to alter one's sensations to achieve some kind of result that would be helpful. Okay. So that's kind of the definition that we use as professionals. But I would really say it's really just a technique of using your mind in the same way I would define meditation the same way. Okay. These are traditions of using the mind to gain benefit. Interesting. Okay, so someone who might be interested in mm-hmm. hypnosis as a therapeutic mm-hmm. sort of application, what would that look like in a session? And also, is everyone able to go into mm-hmm. hypnosis? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you watch people on stage doing the right. hypnosis thing. And then have you they seen? Have, it's fun. I've yeah? seen a lot of different <laughs> versions of that. And mm-hmm. I was actually called once to do it, but oh, I, I wasn't great. a good candidate. Oh, I okay. I yeah, wasn't yeah. able to get into the zone like other people yeah, were yeah. just by like a click of a mm-hmm. finger or something. Yeah. So. What mm-hmm. kind of therapeutic advances is this yeah, yeah. used for? Like, sure. how is this good mm-hmm. for the people? You have a number of great questions in there. Yeah, in particular, sorry. <laughs> no, no, they were all good, and I enjoyed these questions a lot. Okay. In particular, all my research has been around one central topic, which is looking okay. at the issue that you noted, that some people can have this experience very deeply and very yeah. quickly, yeah. and other people can also have it, but they might require more effort in practice. Everyone can get it in the end, and we know, however, that about mm, 25% of folks are very, very talented, even without any instruction at all. You can just like literally say, close your eyes, and you can imagine now that your body is becoming more and more numb, and you're feeling less and less the sensations of your body, and just listening to the sound of my voice, forgetting about your body. And in this, and 25% of the people will be enough to encourage dissociation, which could be used to help somebody who may have pain or something like yeah. this, or someone who just needs to relax more and kind of tune out the stressors in their life. So about 25% are very, very talented mm. from the beginning. About 50% are about average and need some work. Okay. And about 25% are what we would call in the low hypnotizable range. <laughs> and uh, this is not like, oh, you'll never be good. These are just folks that actually need some more training before starting hypnosis. Okay. So we would start with biofeedback yeah. or something that really teaches this person to get into their mind-body experience. Huh. These people are not bad people. Uh, they're not, uh, you know, they're just people. And so yeah. they have all Careful kinds now, of... Careful now, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm not quite sure about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Because you have a background in music. And so yeah. it would be fairly remarkable mm. that you would not be of at least average hypnotic ability. Do you find that music helps people get into hypnosis more? It totally does. And some okay. great research done by Josephine Hilgard at the University of Chicago okay. that showed not only nice. does music aid hypnotic ability and getting people into the experience, mm-hmm. uh, so long as you choose the right music, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like, we'll put you in a different state. Right? Yeah. If you put like mm-hmm. Captain Dintanil on, you get a different result than like <laughs> Dead Mouse, you know? Okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, you know, someone could actually love the Captain Dintanil, but yeah. then others will enjoy the Dead Mouse. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, if some people respond more. 
But we do know that musicians in general tend to have more hypnotic ability than hmm. people who are not musicians. Anyone is involved in some kind of experience that's very immersive, like being a musician yeah. or being an artist of any sort mm -hmm. engaged in creative things or a person who's into writing poetry or an actor or an actress where you're like really getting immersed in some experience, just yeah. like doing yeah. this podcast, yeah. then <laughs> that is very, very likely that you are at least of average hypnotic ability or high. You're probably of average ability. You should know that I know a lot about stage hypnosis, and I just recently went to a show where afterwards I spent a lot of time talking about this with the guy who did it. Uh -huh. um, I won't mention his name, but he's very famous in Vegas. Nice. Yeah, so they're only looking for people in the top 5%. Yeah, they're looking for the show. So people. you could even be, yeah, right? Yeah. So you could even be in the high range. We would have to do testing to really figure this okay. out. After many years, I have learned some things about personality characteristics of people who are mm -hmm. good at hypnosis. Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with being suggestible. Hmm. strangely enough. Okay. So there are some people who are very suggestible. And yeah. if you enter their homes, you will find uh, three or four George Foreman grills and many uh, <laughs> products from the QVC Home Shopping Network. Uh -huh. uh, but they're no more likely to be good at hypnosis than someone who has none of those products. Because as it happens, suggestibility just doesn't go correlate or predict hypnotic ability or the ability to experience hypnosis. That's uh, what hypnotic ability is. Yeah. However, there are some things we know that do predict it. It's not related to intelligence. Actually, it's moderately correlated with verbal intelligence. Okay. So the, the more verbal intelligence you have, the stronger the tendency for you to be gifted at hypnosis is. Huh. It's not correlated with being a person who has a psychotic disorder or any kind of thing that people worry that maybe if I'm good at hypnosis, it means I'm some kind of crazy person. Anything like that. <laughs> but what it is correlated with is empathy, and that's what mm. my research has been about. Huh. And I came up with this idea because I noticed that whenever I get talking with somebody, like yeah. time goes – like I actually have totally lost like track of time. Dissolve, this solve a Yeah, sentence. totally. Yeah. It's just like you and me here. Yeah. And there's a natural hypnosis of a good conversation. Or for those who are listening, <laughs> help yeah. listening. Like you can yeah. get totally into this experience and sort of mm. uh, just enjoy the flow of ideas and the exchange yeah. of information wow. and the feelings and emotions of what's happening. And the more we put ourselves in this experience, it becomes very meditative-like. And that mm. meditative experience is very much what hypnosis is about, that we're meditating on each other. Okay. Uh, and that's what we do with hypnosis is that it's an interpersonal experience where we lead people deep into their own experience. Yeah. And so now it comes to your question about how yeah. we help. Okay. And then we coach people about how to alter their inner realities as well. Mm. So like if a person is a very stressed person with a lot yeah. of stress and maybe some anger and anxiety in their life or depression, mm -hmm. that we can teach them to actually meditate on their own experience and to find the parts of their huh. experience that are already quite relaxed. Interesting. So like taking away the reaction mechanism mm -hmm. and adding a uh, filter in between that analyzes what's actually happening. You're like, I mm -hmm. feel triggered and yeah. okay, well, I'm going to sit with that. And like, that's right. Where's that coming from? And then uncovering where it is coming from. Now that is internal a, investigations. That is fantastic. Your analysis yeah. of that is perfect. And we even have a word for this. It's called a metacognition. <laughs> so right. we're learning skills like about how to think. 
So yeah. meditation and hypnosis are both very powerful mm-hmm. metacognitive tools because they teach you about how you're naturally thinking, both in a surface level way, but they also teach you advanced ways of using the deeper potential <laughs> of the mind so yeah. that you can really get the full power. Like, oh. a, like you mentioned the filtering. That's yeah. a huge thing, knowing that you don't have to react that actually you can get some space around mm. what's just happened. You know, someone uh, coming to say something disturbing to you, mm-hmm. you don't have to automatically punch them in the nose. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could, you Other know, options, wait a minute you know? and then punch them in the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you could just kind of sit with some space and yeah. feel what you're feeling. Let it flow through you and dissolve of its own nature. That's the main tradition in the Dzogchen tradition of meditation. And most meditative schools will say this, that one of the things about meditation is it gives you some space. So you don't have to be so reactive. It's like taking the scenic route and the neurological pathway. Yeah. So so it almost sounds like the cognitive internal Mm -hmm. dialogue that you're talking about is – Instead of taking the normal street, the the Google map that's going to get you to the reaction that you normally go Mm -hmm. to, you're actually willing to take the the byway, different route to actually have a different response. And that response may not be a response at all Mm -hmm. and to have an investigation internally before you react. I feel like that's super heart-based because the heart doesn't want to react right away. It kind of wants to understand what's going on and collectively gather the information because feelings don't just – they pop up all of a sudden, but they hang out longer. Mm-hmm. So it's like you get to decide on what you want to do. Right. And when you meditate on something a little bit longer, you can uncover that like maybe my anger isn't the right approach to this. Right. Maybe a little bit more empathy. More empathy. Yeah. And just a simple space. Mm. It's really funny. When I first started reading this uh, literature, I read this book by this guy named Tarteng Toku Rinpoche. Ooh. Okay. And it was a very powerful Dzogchen teacher. Dzogchen means the great self-perfection in Tibetan. Self-perfection. And so they believe that all of us have an innate perfection side. It's very transpersonal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That we have a deeper level of wisdom and love that's uh, Mm. inexhaustible, you know, like sun in the sky is always there. But I was reading this book, and the name of the book was In Search of Space. Mm. I thought, oh, this maybe is like astral projection. Like I'll be able to, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like go out in space if I read this book. Yeah. And then I discover actually it's talking about the space in the heart. You know, that if you're really fully present and really allowing everything to come through, the heart, like you said, has an innate tendency to want to do the loving thing. And many times that is holding space. Mm-hmm. and not reacting to someone's uh, negativity. Mm-hmm. And that can be a powerful thing. Yeah, the person yeah. can just feel. Yeah. Because a lot of these folks can be having trouble with anger or some kind of personality uh-huh. thing. They're used to people jumping on them when they say things wrong. It's so healing. Yeah. I also feel like that could be valid for the internal self because yeah. we get down on ourselves too, mm. but to hold space, like how many times are we holding space for ourselves? Right. You know what I mean? Like so if we can do that and find the little center of the heart mm-hmm. where there's all that space for you to hold for yourself too. Yeah. And you've really got space the for anything else would be a little bit easier. Totally. You've really got the principle of this. All the teachings yeah. always say, okay. both in uh, clinical psychology and also in Dharma, mm-hmm. you know, the study of the Buddhism and other mystical traditions, they all say you must learn how to do 
for yourself first. Then yeah. if you do, then so much easier to do yeah. for others. But first you must begin with yourself. Mm. And that's why in our program we really require <laughs> uh, here at Naropa in the mindfulness-based transpersonal counseling, we require everyone mm -hmm. to do their own counseling. And we require a certain number of sessions, but then encourage everyone. You must keep going. Okay. And you must have uh, some kind of personal spiritual path doesn't have to be a religious one but you must yeah. have some path meditation or yoga mm -hmm. and you must keep going because yeah. these things are so deep yeah and if you're in the longer you're doing <laughs> then uh, many of these metacognitive abilities emerge over short periods of time and some seems to take longer and some of them are quite amazing okay. things like lucid dreaming the ability to become awake in your dreams this yeah. is a very common experience for people doing these Interesting. things but a lot of people it takes some time to develop huh. these things and then there's so many other of these you know and so wow. this, they have old word for this is a city you know it's just sort of like mental faculties that grow and you know a lot of them are just very practical things mm. like more empathy more a space Okay. to work with yourself and others. And then huh. some are, you know, quite amazing, like a lucid dreaming. Okay, wonderful. I'm actually kind of curious. So when it comes to hypnosis mm -hmm. yeah. and the person clicks on mm -hmm. to you being able to advise them in a hypnosis state, yeah. what is going on in the brain? Oh, like good what, what is yeah. What is the mechanics? Mm -hmm. Is there a different spot in the brain being mm -hmm. used? Is yeah. there more of the brain being used? Like what wow. is being activated? Perfect question. Yeah. Uh, so this is one of my favorite areas is looking at the neuroscience of hypnosis. And the reason why is when I first started doing this work in helping people in the uh, late 1980s, it was a fairly honest hypothesis that people experiencing hypnosis might be faking it and that perhaps yeah. they were just kind of like role-playing and that yeah. actually they weren't having the experiences that they were having or if they were it was kind of minimal and they were kind of like hoking it up you know <laughs> and, yeah uh, so this yeah. was actually a legitimate hypothesis mm -hmm. however in the 1990s then all of these fmri studies and positron emission tomography studies came out that showed okay. what is going on and so we actually now know what is happening in hypnosis? Yeah. So you've asked this great question. Hypnosis works primarily by altering the experience of self, which is an amazing thing unto itself that we do have in our brain network of brain structures called the default mode network uh -huh. that actually seems to underlie our experience of who we are. So, for instance, okay. it is connected to the hippocampus, which seems to have aspects of our memory stored there. And then also the somatosensory cortex is where our experience of our bodily self comes from. So actually, you know, it seems yeah. to us like How right we now. we experience the world. Right? Yeah. And how we experience this. It seems like, you know, you're <laughs> over there and I'm over here. Yeah. And whoever is listening at home, you're in that other place. Uh -huh. And it seems like these things are all independently real. But the truth is, actually, it isn't. And you actually have mm -hmm. made up this experience. Like, it seems like this is my hand here, and here is a ring on it that makes mm -hmm. a sensation when I move it. Yeah. And uh, you're sitting in a chair somewhere. You can feel your back in the chair. And mm -hmm. all of that is just a neural experience. It is as real to you as reality, but also any dream experience that you add on to that will use the exact same process. So there's a really fantastic study done mm. by Steve Coslin, who is from Harvard University, okay. right around, uh, I think it's uh, 2001, 
and it appeared one of the journals of psychiatry. And what he showed was that when people were looking at black and white slides, mm-hmm. and he asked them to imagine as if they were color, that actually people using hypnosis to imagine color onto a black and white slide produced the same response in the brain as if they were looking at color. So that Mm. imagining color actually produces the same processes as if you're looking at color. So fantasy is as real as reality. Mm. And hypnosis works by altering our experience of self and the perceptions that come to the self can Mm. be modified just by your expectations yeah. of them. It feels like a mind over matter sort of situation. It really is. Yeah. There's this one saying that I really like. It's not seeing is believing. Mm-hmm. It's believing is seeing. Right. The manifestation, <laughs> the you understanding of the universe. And <laughs> right. It's kind of fairly woo-woo, but at the same time, what you are describing yeah. in a scientific mm-hmm. way right. is that your mind mm-hmm. can shift your reality in right. such a way that what is actually there. Yeah. Is believable. That's true. Actually, yeah. it turns out the real woo-woo is believing you exist. The evidence <laughs> for that is what not a miracle. Very, the real woo-woo is thinking uh-huh. that your mind does not influence your perception of reality of yourself or yeah. the world around you. That's the real woo-woo. The science shows that actually your experience of yourself is highly determined by the story that you tell uh-huh. yourself about it. So if you're saying, I'm a good person, I'm a good person, then that will have some effect on you. You'll believe yeah. you're a good person. But if you're like most people <laughs> and you say, yeah. oh, I'm overweight and I don't like this about yeah. myself, I don't like that, then that influences mm. not only how you see yourself in the mirror, but your actual body weight. And so your body goes along with your expectations. If you say, mm. I have a slow metabolism, guess how your metabolism guess will what? be. Right? <laughs> yeah. So the real woo-woo is thinking that your mind and your world and your perception of yourself uh-huh. are dissociated. These yeah. things are the same. You know, if there are people out there that like might not get on that bus yeah, and yeah. believe that, right. what would be a fun experiment for them is to be mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, that story that you tell yourself, shift it to a yeah. way that benefits you. Mm-hmm. And then come back in a week and yeah. ask yourself, how do I feel? Right. And take mm-hmm. a, a measurement of their happiness or right. their who they are in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Socrates yeah. said, speak yeah. of virtues every day, be a virtuous uh, person. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's Very like- good having positivity mm-hmm. and supporting others and being available mm-hmm. and holding space and all that fun stuff mm-hmm. is doing the work. It really is, yeah. yeah. I, I really loved your Socrates quote there. It was very beautiful. Ah, picked uh, that up in community college. Oh, wonderful. Hey, yeah, well, I was so super know. into philosophy back in the day and uh, it turned into Buddhism somehow. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, actually, also, my background is as a clinical health psychologist, Yeah, but also I had philosophy minor. The reason I kind of got into this field was, you can see, we've been talking about very, very deep issues involving the mind-body problem, that's dis- yeah. as it's discussed in philosophy in general. And I love studying uh, Rene Descartes in particular. Around He's this one of my favorite stuff. too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you know, and there's also the political context that he lived in that sort of made him do this thing that he did about yeah. splitting these things. The uh, universe will be measured by numbers. Right? Is what the angels told him. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I haven't heard and that story. Science. Wow. He, he created science. Wow. Of course. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He really, him and uh, John Locke and mm-hmm. Barclay and all of them. Yeah. yeah. Really created this uh, numerical tradition of science that is so good 
uh, mm-hmm. and is really good as a discipline for helping us to cut through assumptions about our experience that may be not as warranted. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. often there are simpler explanations for the phenomena we have. But on the other hand, yeah. uh, if something really is, you know, a really powerful phenomena and is actually really real, like talking about how we were just talking about how our expectations of reality become reality through hypnotic processes that are going on even without someone having to put you in hypnosis. Yeah. There's a normal hypnosis of the world. (laughs) The Buddhists talk about waking up. What are Uh we waking up from? The kind of consensual Mm. trance that we're all walking around in all the time. You don't have to hypnotize people. Already we are hypnotized at all times. And we're managing our experience of the body. Like right now, I'm not very much aware of the feeling of the socks on my feet Uh because I can naturally dissociate that away. What use is it to think about my socks on my feet or the shirt on my back? So hypnosis is built into our control of our mind-body relationship. Mm. And it's really just a craft, just like meditation, a metacognitive skill that teaches us how to manipulate these things so we can experience a better life. Oh, interesting. People can uh, get over chronic pain problems. We know about 75% of people who have uh, like headaches and back pain or any kind of pain issue, burns and things, Mm -hmm. and 75% within about six to eight sessions, can actually learn how to reduce that pain very, very significantly, generally something like a 50% or greater change. Yeah, interesting. There's also this idea of like phantom limb pain. Yeah, right, of course. Like people who may have lost an arm or Mm -hmm. weren't weren't born without a hand or something, that like they can feel this phantom Mm -hmm. pain or just like a phantom arm. Yeah. And that's like all brain-based. It is. I even once treated a person with phantom tongue pain. Ooh, uh, the, okay. They were in this car accident, and at the moment of the impact, they were screaming. And then they hit the head on the oh. dash, and the tongue was out and severed the tongue. So then they were constantly feeling like their tongue was on fire and no tongue. You know, <laughs> I feel yeah. like there's no, it's gone. You can, even uh-huh. they could see in the mirror and still feel the tongue was there and even wow. see it in a kind of hallucinatory way. Oh, yeah, so phantom pain is really, uh, and phantom sensations even without pain mm. are a really dramatic example that we don't live in reality. We live in an experience of reality, yeah. and the body self is, is created by the somatosensory cortex. And the reality that I'm experiencing mm-hmm. at this moment and the reality that you're experiencing in this moment are completely different. Right. And they're based on how our brains are functioning, uh-huh. how we perceive what is available to us in this mm-hmm. moment it's it's just so based on personal experience it is that it's yeah. it's really hard but then at the same time there's so many of us so mm-hmm. we all we all can have like a collective experience but in the personal realm and then mm-hmm. we dialogue about it or we talk about these things that we're experiencing and we're like well you you have that same dream too mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's very true yeah. and since we already uh, raised the topic of philosophy <laughs> there's a really wonderful a new field of neuroscience that's really embracing meditation and Uh hypnosis. And they call this neurophenomenology. And so it's a study of experience and how this is related to uh, neuroscience and how neuroscience can validate people's phenomenological experience. But one of the central tenets of all phenomenology is, yeah, the, uh, the central nature that everyone's experience is quite different. 
Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, there's a lot of power and magic in that too. Yeah. <laughs> in that if you know that you're actually not living in a given world and that mm-hmm. actually you're telling yourself a story about the world and that's creating the experience and also a story yeah. of who you are. Mm. And so if you can get control of that self-talk, that narrative about how you feel about the world, mm-hmm. then you have tremendous magical power to transform your life. Oh, yeah. Feels good. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it's <laughs> your story. It is. You you right. get to own it. Mm-hmm. And it's fun when you understand mm-hmm. the ownership and the accountability yeah. that you have on your decisions in your life and how you show up in the world. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And it's very empowering. And it's also a little scary, you know? Like it sometimes is, yeah. you have to face some things that are very difficult and you do mm-hmm. want to run away, but just showing up mm-hmm. in that fully and being authentic and like you can be angry and all that, but just like spread it out Mm. you know don't just clump it up and just throw it all in one place like be very conscious of how you are Mm -hmm. taking care of your needs oh so wonderful (laughs) Uh, the way you're discussing this is very much like one of my dear uh, tibetan teachers his name is uh, tenzin uh, wangyal rinpoche okay Uh, he teaches uh, folks how to do lucid dreaming yeah, yeah he's been there. at the Neuropro a couple he times. He has yeah, been, you're right. I've heard some of his talks. Oh, do you have a podcast with him you should do? I should. Yeah, next time. I'm the archivist of the school, so I have all every single talk oh, that we've wonderful. done for the last six years. Oh, great, great. So, yeah, maybe <laughs> if you like, I introduce you next time he comes. Please. Oh, yeah. I would love to. But uh, going along with what you said, uh, one of my favorite quotes from him comes from a book on how you can use lucid dreaming as a spiritual path. Yeah. And he says, most of people, uh, it is more like you are dreamt then you are dreaming. Yeah, and yeah. so you can, like you say, you can really get control of our narrative. Then we are dreaming. You know, we can dream other dreams and better ones. But if it's more like you're dreamt, you feel like you're dependent on the narrative of others and how you're experiencing things and you feel like a ship. It's like a quote, I think this comes from Tennyson, poor man, what art, a tennis ball of error a ship of glass tossed in a sea of terror. So it often seems Ah. like our life, we're a slave to circumstances beyond our control. And there is some sense in which we are like a ship of glass Uh tossed on a sea of terror. Who knows? You know, the goddess of fortune. Poetic right right? Oh, I just love that so much. Hypnosis is a lot of study of words and the honey Mm. of words is often revealed through poesy. So you can learn how to become awake in this dream that we're sharing all the time. Yeah. And uh, that becomes another fun part of this, too, with my research with empathy, is that the reason hypnosis exists is because of the deep empathy that beings have. And that as we listen to one another more, we'll naturally use hypnosis to merge into that experience. Yeah. And so it really reflects the deepest level of our mind to Mm. discern our own experience and empathize with ourselves and to have heart for ourselves in all of our experiences. Because here's another weird thing. There's more (laughs) than one of us in there. What? (laughs) Right? That's okay. (laughs) So I've been having this new idea Mm. where when a dialogue or a conversation is happening within my mind, mm. I start asking the question, who is this? Right. Which one of you are showing up at this moment? Mm. Because I know there's like multiple personalities uh-huh. yeah. and or 
conversations happening. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's kind of like you can almost have like a trilogue. You can have the reality self, the higher self, and then like mm-hmm. a spirit guide or something. Right. Or just Any number of uh, Whatever you kind of believe yeah. in. But there's right. – I like what to ask myself. What stories you have told? Yeah. Like <laughs> Each who's, one is a story. Who's talking to me at this moment? Who's yeah. there? Who do I knock, got knock. now? <laughs> yeah. This is literally a question I'll ask my clients all the time. Who do mm-hmm. I got now? And they're like, "Why are you talking?" This is my name is uh, Rick. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "But which part of Rick do I have? Yeah. Do I have Rick, the father mm. of a fourteen-year-old boy, or do I have Rick, the guy who likes to go out in a sports bar? Do I have uh, Rick, who you know is a, a tax attorney? You know, <laughs> and so yeah. we all have these different parts and these different ego states that kind of tell themselves a different story about who we are." So this is another wonderful thing about the hypnosis tradition is it's hmm. the one of the few traditions in the psychology world that has noticed that uh, the experience of self is not unitary, that it's actually quite fragmentary, and that we tell ourselves a story that, in fact, we're one person, but it's very illusory. Huh. And I wonder if some of the fragmented versions within one's mind mm-hmm. – they seem to tell different stories at That's different true. points. So it's like you can want to tell yourself a story and you're like, I don't know if I'm believing that right now. And then other mm. other days you're like, yay, right? Like, I'm so into that right now. <laughs> and that's interesting to gather them all up and be like, all right, let's have a meeting. Right. <laughs> let's hang out. In fact, that is a good thing to do, actually. We call mm-hmm. this, uh, sometimes this is done with what's called the empty chair technique. And hypnosis okay. often will bring, we'll call this like a family table. And so we bring the family together of a person's yeah. different selves. And sometimes you literally have a part that's someone else. Like a dear part mm-hmm. of my mind and body is of my sister. And my sister, Aww. she died about five years ago. Sorry to hear that. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. She Kept is still close. in me. Yeah. She is still in me. Kept her close. And every once in a while, mm. I'll even hear her talking to me. And usually it's after um, I did something foolish, like I'll trip. <laughs> She's like, you shouldn't have done that. Right? And actually, she says something naughty. She says, dumbass. <laughs> oh, man. And this is what she would do in She's still real got life. got her flair you know? going on. All so right. we have these different parts of ourselves, and uh-huh. some of them reflect people that we've brought in. And again, this is natural to the hypnotic world. In fact, everything that you see is already a part of your mind. You don't have to bring it in. If uh-huh. you're looking at me... I am a part of your mind. If you're hearing me in this moment, I am already there. You're just a bunch of upside-down, reflecting light (laughs) coming into my eye, and then I just make sense of it with my brain. Right, yeah, you even got the inversion part of that. Very good. You're just just a bunch of, like, light waves Mm -hmm. cruising in. Isn't that something? (laughs) Yeah, that uh, we are inherently wild. wild. People talk about vibrations and energies of the Uh universe. This is a natural part of our sensory experience. Yeah, and it's all waves. (laughs) Angular momentum, Mm -hmm. spin. Mm -hmm. How amazing. Yeah. So I I really enjoy this field so much because Mm. it gives you a very practical way of investigating the spiritual mysteries of the world so that we can gain inspiration to look deeper into ourselves. Yeah. But also a very practical way of helping people with very difficult problems, people with very powerful Mm. kinds of pain and that feel like they're locked in a body that's going to hurt for the rest of their life and nothing can be done about it. And then I help them have to say, you don't live in reality. Yeah. If it feels like you do and that you're trapped in this pain body, but I can teach you how to alter that. 
Oh my God, this is so amazing. Uh. That is actually, that is our time right now. Oh, and yeah, I just, sure I just can. wanted to give you the yeah. space. Is there any last words that you'd like to say? Or is there any, uh, sure. do you have anything that people can follow you that are more oh, interested? Yeah. In- sure. First of all, I want to say thank you. This oh. has been such an engaging and beautiful conversation and really reflects uh, a lot of the insight and wisdom that you have into the nature yeah. of the mind and body. So it's yeah. really wonderful to share We'll have this to do space. a round thank two you. because I only went through not even half right? my questions. <laughs> it's just, it just such a good flow with you. And, oh, and thank you. Good there's friend. a lot of, yeah. you're, you're super knowledgeable about mm-hmm. a lot of things that I'm just naturally mm-hmm. interested in that I necessarily haven't gone to school for. I'm mm-hmm. just someone yeah. who's kind of interested in and, and read a couple books but you yeah. you got it and it's just oh, so good you. to hear oh you're so kind to that. reflect that to me yeah. uh, but your question you know it's really funny tibetans uh, really regard questions as being more important than answers you know yeah and you ask beautiful wonderful questions <laughs> that open space and so yeah please uh, I enjoyed doing it it's again. probably spirit that asks and it's science mm. that answers oh how wonderful Spirit that asks. Very nice. Very nice. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I would say in closing, uh, anyone who's interested, I have a website where I discuss uh, a lot of these kinds of issues, and you can find some of my research, particularly on hypnosis and how it's related to empathy. Okay. And also, you can get uh, recommendations for if anyone would like to learn how to do these things to get help with like depression or anxiety or mm-hmm. pain or any kind of difficulty or even I've helped people uh, to be better at performance issues like if you want to mm, I've helped swimmers right. and yeah. people run faster and things ah. uh, I used hypnosis to run about two full marathons now and about 13 half marathons I just run completely in, in bliss runners high and wow. uh, so you can go to that, and it's www.buddhistpsychotherapy.com. And so you can uh, go there. So. Also, I uh, just wanted to say, too, anyone who is listening and uh, you are experiencing some difficulty with your inner reality or it feels like you're trapped in a world that you can do nothing about, hope that uh, this uh, podcast gives you some hope that actually there is a deeper level of magic. You can Learn to uh, use a meditation, mm. hypnosis, and many things, and get to that deeper level of magic, an ordinary magic that will give you more control. And there's yeah. always hope. Yeah. We're on your team. We got you. Nice. <laughs> you <can do laughs> yeah. It. We love you. Definitely. Yes. That's a, that's more love and I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I love you too. Yeah, Wonderful. Just Good sending man. it out yeah. there. Thank yeah. you so much for speaking with me. I'm mm. seriously, we got to book another one. Okay, let's um, do it. Yeah. We'll wait a couple months and we'll book okay. it. But I'm going to keep these questions because there's so many more questions about empathy. Mm-hmm. I want to go mm-hmm. into more meditation, mm-hmm. uh, neuroscience stuff, mm-hmm. but we just don't have enough time at this moment. Yeah, but yeah, sure. ooh, hypnosis is such a fun little Isn't thing it? to explore. <laughs> I just appreciate you being knowledgeable <laughs> and sharing your wisdom with us and just, just being such a joyful soul to speak oh, to. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you. You it was your joy also was very contagious thank you good sir awesome (laughs) so i'd like to thank my guest dr ian wickram asakara he is a core faculty member in the mindfulness-based transpersonal counseling program so thank you again thank you so much good sir on behalf of the naropa community thank you for listening to mindful you the official podcast of naropa university Check us out at www.naropa.edu or follow us on social media for more updates.